What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Justice Set Conversation, episode 71 with Harrison Ingram. Jared Sandler here with you, Zach Rowe producing, and Harrison was our guest for episode 71. Now, if you're a hoops junkie or maybe you follow the, the high school or college scene, you probably know who Harrison is, one of the top players in the country right in our backyard in DFW out of St. Mark's School of Texas. He's committed to Stanford. Uh, and if you don't know who Harrison is and you love hoops, uh, you're probably going to know who he is pretty soon. Someone with an incredibly bright basketball future, but as is abundantly clear when you listen to this conversation, someone with an incredibly bright future, whether it's within the athletic realm or outside of the athletic realm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed getting to know Harrison. You're going to forget uh, when you listen that this kid's just a senior in high school. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, his love of basketball, his his interest in conspiracy theories and his family's background in food and uh, perhaps uh, his interests uh, when his basketball career comes to an end. Uh, as always, we'd really appreciate if you would share this conversation with anyone who you think might be interested or just subscribing to the channel. Uh, it takes a second for you, but it really does go a long way and uh, would mean a lot. Here we go, though. Episode 71 of the Justice Set Conversation with Harrison Ingram. All right, Harrison. So I, I always ask people this to, to lead things off. Uh, you can go in whatever direction you'd like. But when you think back to, to your childhood and and I guess you're still you know, you're younger than most people we talk to. But when you think back to maybe before you were a teenager, what are the things that stand out to you, whether it was experiences or, or things that you gravitated towards? You can take in whatever direction you'd like. What are the things that really jump out to you? Definitely where I'm from. I'm not from the Dallas. I mean, I'm from Dallas, but from a suburban town called Colleyville out near Southlake. And just kind of my childhood was really out there in a neighborhood, a tight-knit neighborhood, really safe. And kind of just hanging with my friends every single day. I can I can remember the days of snow, the trees would fall. We would, I mean, it, it was it was just a fun time out there. That's, that's all I can think about when I think of my childhood. So what, what were some of the, the things that you guys would do? I mean, you know, like video games, obviously, I imagine you played some basketball on the street. Uh, were, were there other sports, other activities that you guys, you know, really enjoyed doing? Kickball, baseball. <laughs> Definitely. We had, we had this, it was like 25 of us in the neighborhood all around the same age within three years. We would have, I mean, <laughs> it would be like massive neighborhood airsoft wars. It would be so fun. We go play dodgeball in the middle, go to the park, fish. It, it was everything. I always thought I could be a professional kickball player. I, I don't know if those leagues exist, but I think I could have <laughs> I could have made millions doing that. Actually, I honed my kickball skills at extended day at St. Mark's in my uh, in my younger years. That's that. that's where it all all started for me. Uh, yes, sir. Okay, yes, so sir. you when did you start to? fall in love with basketball when did you realize that basketball was like something you you enjoyed doing more than maybe the average kid um i mean I've, i it's always something i did when i was growing up because my brother played and he was four years older than me he plays at middlebury college in vermont like a small d3 school so every time he would go work out i would go there but ever since i was little my parents kind of wanted me to branch out kind of just try new stuff i played baseball soccer basketball in seventh grade first year you could play sports at st mark's actually played football in the fall basketball in the winter and i tried lacrosse which i mean after that season i realized that 
that was not for me. <laughs> I could not. I couldn't even do the simple something called cradling. I couldn't even do that. So I was like, yeah, I, I got to drop this sport. After that, I kind of realized I was getting pretty good at basketball, so I just decided to focus on that. All right, so I wanted to ask you about your brother. A few people I spoke to said that you, and, and you kind of indicated it there, have a really close relationship with your brother. In, in what ways has he kind of influenced you beyond maybe helping direct you towards basketball? But, you know, what, what's important to you about the relationship you have with him? Really just everything. I know that's kind of my support backbone. That's the closest person I am with in this world. I mean, I know everything about him. He knows everything about me. I can tell him any secret, nothing. I mean, no conversation is too awkward or too weird or too sad or too angry, I can say to him. And just kind of growing up, he was really kind of, what did you say, hard on me, I guess, mean, really mean, and gave me my competitive spirit. I mean, I, I just I kind of give thanks to him for almost everything. All right, so – and we're, I guess, bouncing around chronologically, but you you got to St. Mark's in fourth grade, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. what what led you to St. Mark's, and and I guess what what's been important to you about that experience? Obviously, a, a tremendous school, uh, academically, athletically, a, a, you know, a unique kind of fraternity, uh, you know, in and of itself. But, but what what led you to St. Mark's, and and how's that experience helped shape you? So to be honest. I, I So my second and third grade year, I went to Fort Country Day on um, Fort Worth. And then the only reason I came over to St. Mark's is because of my brother, because he was there. My parents just kind of want to make, make it easier, and that was a better school. But to be honest, in fourth grade, I did not – I really did not want to come over. <laughs> I, I heard all boys. I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And just kind of – my brother told me it was hard and a lot of homework. Fort Country Day is a good school, but not as good as St. Mark's. So it was kind of a deterrent for me. But then once I got there, I made friends quickly. And kind of, I mean, I kind of fit right in. I'm curious. There, there's still some some teachers and coaches, you know, from my time at St. Mark's I keep up with who had an impact on me. Who, who's, a, you know, whether, you know, on the academic side as a teacher or a coach or someone who, you know, at St. Mark's obviously there's some who do both. Is there someone who's, who's kind of, you know, made a, a big impact on you and, and helped you along the way? It's really, I would say, three coaches. Do you, do you know Coach Phillips, the eighth grade or seventh grade? Of, of course, and I've, I've known Coach Phillips since. So I've got brothers who are 13 and 11 years older. Uh, and because of them, it's similar to you, right? Like, you know, my brothers kind of directed me certain things and, and introduced me. But because of them, I've known Coach Phillips since I was, before I can even remember. I Like, my earliest memories uh, in summer, like going to basketball camps at Green Hill and St. Mark's with Coach Phillips. Right, right. So ever seventh grade, I mean, that's my guy. Still still to this day, every day, his, his little jokes always put a smile on my face in the morning and just kind of makes me feel at home. And then another teacher, this is a teacher, my fourth grade, first fourth grade teacher. She's my home run teacher. Her name is Miss Martier. And she was just, she was just what really stood out to me about her is that she really – her and my mom really got along really well. And, I mean, she kind of made me feel at home my first year at St. Mark's. She's an African-American teacher, so I felt kind of at home a little bit more. And then definitely the biggest mentor for me at St. Mark's is Coach Dilworth. He's the new strength coach. I mean, I'm up there every day with him working out. I was trying to get better. 
one of the the things that people mention with you and, and, and probably not a surprise you don't get to you know your level of achievement without this but the work ethic I, I I guess maybe for some people it's just natural it's kind of built in you know who they are uh, but I think in a lot of ways that that maybe there's an influence there and I know you know maybe this is the same for you I know for me like my work ethic my brothers always push me like if I was ever slacking off I knew that, you know, I'd get yelled at or, you know, they'd, they'd make sure they'd put me in my place. So I imagine maybe your brother had some impact, but where where does that work ethic come from? I'm going to be honest. I didn't always have this this work ethic. Really, and I mean, <clears throat> I mean I've always worked pretty hard, but we really kind of stood out when I started improving the most with my eighth grade year. I mean, I was ranked pretty high, ranked like number two or something in the state, and Someone told me that if I wasn't, if I didn't get more athletic, there would be no way I would get a D1 scholarship. And I kind of took that to heart, and that's what everyone, everyone kept saying that. I kind of took that to heart, and I was a little chubby eighth grade, and I was in the gym all summer, every day, two times a day, for every single day in the summer. Changed my diet, and then that just kind of changed my whole mentality going into my freshman year. And, I mean, ever since then, I've just been going up, getting better every day. The rankings, did you pay, I mean, obviously you know that they exist and it's tough to totally ignore them, but how much did you pay attention to where you were ranked in the state and in the country? Was that a motivating factor? Was it something that, you know, you, you just sort of, it was what it was? Like, How much of a role did that play just kind of in your mindset as you, you know, continue to progress and, and get older and get closer to where you are now yeah. as, uh, you know, someone who's just committed to, to go play uh, at Stanford? I mean, I know a lot of people are trying to say that rankings don't, they don't really care about rankings, but that's just not true. I mean, I see them, and obviously I, I would love to be ranked number one in the nation. But right now I'm ranked, I mean, it matters where you look. I'm ranked some, some number nine, 16, 11. I mean, I kind of just think of it as not as a, not to be, I guess you would say, satisfied. I kind of think of it as, okay, so if I'm number nine in the nation, so you're telling me that there's eight people who are better than me that you can find. I kind of take it as disrespect and just keeps feeling, keeps feeling the fire to be as great as I can be. One of the things that, that stood out, and I've, I've had the chance to see you play a few times and actually got to broadcast a game of yours last year in Frisco. Was, I, I don't remember what the, the tournament was called, but uh, you guys won it pretty easily. Uh, it, it was over the holidays, I think. I, I, don't, I don't remember. Was it the Dallas Mavs? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was the Mavs one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that stood out, was how unselfish you were. And, and you know, for people listening, uh, Harrison plays on, gosh, one of the best teams in the state. Uh, but it, it's not it, it's not often that the team from this conference is that that competitive at that level. Uh, and, I you know, I, the games I've seen, it, you know, it hasn't been against like the DeSotos and, and some of the better pro teams in the in the state. And you could have easily just kind of done whatever. Uh, but you, you played a very unselfish brand, very similarly to uh, another guy from our conference who is now in the NBA, Justice Winslow. I remember getting a chance to watch him and just how unselfish he was when he probably could have filled his stat line a little bit more. Wh- where does that come from? Because that's that's something that it seems like a lot of people develop once they get to college. Uh, not something a ton of people with your level of ability necessarily grasp at, at this stage of your career. Right. So it definitely came from, I mean, also I love to give credit to my brother because he's a smaller guy, like 6'2 point guard. So 
ever since I was growing up, that's how I learned to play the game. My dad didn't want me to be like one of those tall kids who gets stuck in the post early and doesn't develop any skills. He wanted me to kind of learn guard skills and everything and learn the game to, to see the game as a point guard. So that, and then definitely kind of just my attitude in general, is kind of, I'm kind of an unselfish person. I would honestly rather, like on a fast break, I would rather throw the alley-oop and dunk it myself. I'm, I'm not quite sure why, but <laughs> that's just how I am. I'd rather, I mean, my, to me, a highlight is a nice pass to my teammates scoring rather than me making a nice move myself. From a, a an IQ standpoint, you know, a lot of people rave about your court awareness, your, your basketball IQ, however you want to characterize it. Uh, again, having an older brother who plays the game uh, certainly, I'm sure, has an influence, but but where where does that come from, and, and who's helped you with your understanding of basketball and seeing the floor and just all the, the elements that maybe you don't see in a box score that help make up uh, the player that you are? Right. I mean, it's kind of how I've always played the game. Even when I was younger, I wasn't the fastest, the most athletic person when I was younger, kind of more just a shooter. But I still kind of play the game from an IQ-based standpoint. And one person, I, two people I watch the NBA a lot is LeBron James and Luka Doncic, who are kind of similar builds to me, similar type of point forward, point whatever you want to call them. You can't really give them position type players. And the way they play is, especially Luka, it's not based on athleticism. It's based on, I mean, kind of angles and getting to spots before, I guess you would say, the more athletic person gets there. So ever since, I mean, I just kind of, I want to be able to be good against the most athletic people, even if they're more athletic than me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I'm I'm glad to hear that you're uh, your team LeBron. And that guy, is, yes, that, that yes, guy sir. is so fun to watch. It's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, okay, so I alluded to this earlier. Harrison recently announced that he's going to Stanford. Had uh, you know, a, a probably pick of the litter as to where to go. I, I guess just in general, the recruiting process. What was the best part about it, and and what was the part that you were just ready to kind of like move on from because I, I'm sure that, you know, as, as awesome as is, as it is and as, as great as it is to be as coveted as you were, I'm sure there's some parts where it's like, golly, I got to do this again or this guy's doing that, you know, all the right. all the all the elements on that side. So what, what was the best part? What was the, you know, I hate to say the worst part because I know it's still an amazing experience, but what was the part that you, uh, you could have done without? The best part was for sure, I mean, it's kind of two things. Definitely the, well, before Corona, the games and having like 20 plus coaches there every game that was really surreal seeing having Roy Williams and coach K and coach Haas and just a bunch of coach self a bunch of coach Juwan Howard a bunch of big time coaches who I grew up watching on TV come to watch me and tell me that they want me to play for the school that was that was kind of crazy and then definitely the visits the visits were I mean they roll out the red carpet for real <laughs> like North Carolina that visit, I went to, they invited me to the North Carolina Duke game. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was so much energy. Everyone was so happy. Everyone loved each other. I mean, it was like heaven there. Okay, I know you, you're a big food guy, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but is there a, a meal or a restaurant or like a, a place you went to uh, – that you know, in any of these visits, where it's like, man, like, this, like I might go to this school just for this restaurant. <laughs> Actually, on my Stanford visit, there's this steakhouse that was across the street. I can't remember what it's called, but when I go up there again, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely gonna get that. <laughs> but I, I can't. It was, it was amazing. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop eating that. <laughs> I asked them. They took it to me. I w- I've been there four times. They took me there every single time. <laughs> 
what okay what uh what, what was the toughest part of the recruiting process other than uh, the decision making part but just going through what what was that part that you know is maybe not as glamorous as what people would think definitely just the time spent talking to coaches and responding to coaches and stuff i mean it's always a blessing to get a call but especially when corona hit like the zoom calls i really i really was not trying to do any zoom calls and they kept asking and kept asking it would just kind of get it get kind of overwhelming and then especially once you get from sophomore year to junior year going to junior year i got calls and texts like all day every day from every school i mean even when i was trying to hang out with my friends trying to hang out with just like my friends and kind of chill with my family i would always get calls and texts from coaches and i feel obligated to respond because i mean it's Roy Williams calling. It's Coach <laughs> Coach Haas calling. I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna decline that call. So th- that was definitely the the hardest part and the part I just I was kind of ready to get to get over with. Harrison, this this is I, I don't want to say this is the first like really big decision you've had to make. I, I don't know you know what other decisions you've had to make in your life, but uh, this certainly is for a lot of lot of people your age the first really influential decision that they're they're forced to make. What did you learn about yourself throughout the process of weighing the options in your mind? Definitely, I'm a stubborn. I'm a very stubborn person. <laughs> <laughs> my parents have been in love. My parents were go Stanford since I got the offer. They loved it. They looked at my mom. My, my mom is all about education. She could care less about basketball. <laughs> so when she heard the Stanford offer, she was like, "You better take it now." And then it was almost like in my mind, I was thinking. I'm not going to go to Stanford just because my parents are trying to me to go to Stanford. That's kind of what I was thinking for the last year and a half. Then I kind of, after I sat back and got more mature and looked about it, talked to my friends, my brother, kind of just thought about it. I was like, yeah, like, well, I, I couldn't, I could not pass up this opportunity. All right. You mentioned some of the coaches you got a chance to interact with. Uh, was there one in particular that was like, wow. I mean, you, you mentioned some like hall of fame names already. But like, was right. there one conversation that like you were starstruck, or uh, it just like wow, like I just spoke to Coach K, or I just you know Roy Willie? You, you mentioned the names. Was there one in particular uh, for the schools that you did not choose to go to that that really just will always stick with you? It was definitely, it was definitely. I'm, I'm gonna make sure I don't miss out on somebody. I'm I'm thinking it was Coach Roy Williams when he called me and offered me. So I'd never talked to him on the phone because he's not a big phone person. I had seen him in person. He had come down. So when they started contacting me, they invited me up for a bit to Duke game. Then the next two days later, my Monday, they came to my Monday practice and my Tuesday practice. And they came to three in my playoff game. And after that, they offered me. And when he called me, it was my first time getting a call from him. And I was kind of expecting the offer, but not really expecting it. I knew I had played really, really, really well in front of them and that they liked me. But then just getting the call, it was an unknown number from – Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I was like, no way. It was the day. It was the day of the championship. That night, he called me. I was at like a party with my friends, and I called. I sat beside. He was like, "Is this Harrison Ingram?" I was like, yes, He's a really funny, really funny guy. And he was like, "Well, this is this guy from coach from North Carolina named Roy Williams, and he just wants to know that you have a scholarship here." And I was, I was just, it was, it was such a surreal feeling. I started jumping and yelling. I told everybody, and they started jumping and yelling. It was just. It was a fun time. That's awesome. That's pretty neat. Uh, all right. Uh, one other thing about the the basketball side. Uh, what other other than 
uh, you know, the, these blue chip schools, one thing that stands out is, is it seems like, if I'm not mistaken, one of the, the final choices was Howard. Yes, uh, sir. Why was that important to you to, to consider a school like Howard? Definitely. I mean, a lot of people will say because of the little movement going on right now, it was, it was kind of bigger than, it was kind of bigger than myself. I mean, coach Kenny Blakeney was the head coach there. Talked with him a lot. He was a cool guy. I knew I had an opportunity to go there and play right away. And then it just being a, a historically HBCU college that, I mean, just, just them being on my list or being in the run for, I mean, I guess, quote unquote, five-star player, just gives them a lot of pub and shows players that HBCUs are also an option. What have you learned, you know, throughout, you, you referenced the movement uh, and, and, you know, I think not, not that the pandemic was a good thing in any way, shape or form, but because it, it, it kept a lot of people at home and maybe added to free time. It allowed people to really open their eyes. And, and I hope Harrison, I hope that years from now we look back on this period of time as not only this horrible time with COVID and, and some of the injustices that have taken place, but also a really important time of growth. And uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm well past my college years. You're in high school. I, I'm just curious what, what, have you learned about that and, and your ability to maybe influence and impact and, and, you know, whether it's with your friends, your, your classmates, or, you know, as you grow and, and, and get this platform uh, that, you know, hopefully will continue to just get bigger and bigger. What, what are the things that you've learned as you've maybe watched others and, uh, and just from conversations? Well, I'm curious, what are the things that have stood out to you? Definitely how much my word can I guess, sway, sway the classmates my age. I mean, I, I noticed how, like, anytime I really talk around campus, everyone's listening. So I, I felt kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say obligated, but I knew that my word could help. And I want to do everything I can do to help. So I kind of just, I would say how I felt at school. And we have, like, little Zoom calls with my team, and we kind of talk about all the racial injustices and everything going on in the world. I just knew that I had to say something, not to just, I mean, if you have something to say, you should always speak your mind. All right, Harrison, let's, uh, let's get to food. One of the, the first things that I, I was told is that you love food. So we're going to start, start easy. I, I was told that I'd be, I'd be doing everyone a disservice if I did not ask you your favorite fast food restaurants. Oh, I, I, <laughs> well, I got to say McDonald's. My dad is actually. My dad and mom are actually McDonald's franchise owners. Oh, well, there you go. That's an easy answer then. I got to say McDonald's. How, how long have they been involved with McDonald's? I'm not sure exactly how long, but I know ever since, actually, I think since I was two. So, oh, wow. 15 years. 15 years. Okay, so it's that's it's pretty much all you've known. Yes, sir. It's all I've known. Okay, what is your, what is your go-to McDonald's order? Ooh, Okay. So now it matters, kind of matters where I am because not all of them serve all day breakfast. But if it's all day breakfast, I'm getting two chicken McGriddles, a large water, and a pack of apples. All right, I like it. I'm. I think McDonald's breakfast for my money is uh, is unrivaled. It is. It's up there. The only thing, the only thing I like close to that is the Chick Fil A menus. Those are really good. Now, are you allowed to like if you if you come home with like a bag from? Another fast food restaurant. Do mom or dad say something, or what? You know, what, what's that conversation like? Not, not, not really. <laughs> but there was this one time I was on Instagram Live 
doing like a little interview a long time ago. I had like a Chick Fil A cup in my hand. My dad was kind of upset about that. <laughs> Dear, okay, so I got a buddy who his his dad is in the uh, he's in the like the food industry, and whenever like the option of like where do we want to go eat comes up, it like we almost feel obligated to to throw his dad's spot in the mix. So, do your friends feel like? <laughs> You know, like, hey, no, uh, Harrison, like, we're going to be with Harrison. Like, we got to go to McDonald's. We can't go to Chick-fil-A. We can't, like, do, do they ever, like, do you ever, like, give them a hard time about that? Or do they ever feel obligated to, to, to go to McDonald's? I mean, they used to be like that. I mean, when I, every time I first get to know somebody and they learn <laughs> that my dad was McDonald's, that's all they say. They don't even say Chick-fil-A. But I know they want Chick-fil-A for some time. So I know they want Whataburger. <laughs> I'm like, bro, we don't have to go to McDonald's. You <laughs> time we eat. But yeah, for the for the most part, not not as much as you would expect. You ever work at McDonald's? I actually did not. Luckily, my parents made like, this kind of the thing they said when they were younger. They're like, no matter what, y'all are gonna work from at McDonald's. Y'all learn how to work. Like I guess you would say a quote unquote normal job. And my brother did it, and just I guess I I never had to do it. I was always kind of busy with basketball, so I haven't really done it yet. But they're trying to make me and my sister do it. Do you? Listen, I obviously the the hope is that you're playing basketball for a long, long, long time. But the reality of an athlete is that when you're done playing, you still got a whole lot of life to live. Whether that's at thirty or thirty five or forty, have you thought like, you know, what you would maybe be interested in doing? Not that you're anywhere near having to make that decision, but like, you know, whether it's the experience of your parents owning a you know McDonald's franchise or just your love of food in general or, or playing kickball, you know, I don't know what it would be, but is there like, if you thought, man, like when I'm done playing, I'd like to do this. Definitely. 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 I mean, kind of, kind of have, I guess we would say two plans. It would be one. If say everything goes right and I do make it, everything goes right. I kind of, my, my dream, I guess not even job, my dream thing to do would to be to like a build my own city. Kind of like Vegas-ish, because <clears throat> Vegas was built kind of in Nevada, which is not a state anybody would ever visit. Only see people, only reason people go to Nevada is to see Vegas. So me and my best friend talked for like, talked about for like two years, kind of just building a plan that once we get enough money to kind of build a our own quote unquote Vegas in like Wyoming or something like that, and kind of build a city. That'd be kind of cool to me, and kind of go into the movie industry. I really like movies, and just kind of make movies and just do cool stuff like that. Okay, so I, I'll be honest. I, if you would have given me like three years to guess what your answer to that question would have been, like building a city, uh, would not have come out of my, that. That's that's really really interesting. So, do you have? I mean, I, I don't know what. Uh, like, do you have any like city plan? Like, have you have you like read up on this stuff, or is it just kind of like, hey, like this would be fun? Like, is this something that you've actually like looked into, like? How it seemed like maybe the history of Vegas and how that was built up. Like this is something that it seems like you you actually have like kind of an interest in. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. My friend, so the, my, the, my best friend who I was talking to this with, he kind of wants to do a business slash real estate thing. So he'll kind of be more in tune and more knowledgeable on real estate. And I'll kind of have, I guess you would say, I have knowledge on more of the business side because my my major is going to be business business and finance something like that. And kind of our idea was to have one central building be our quote unquote business building. But it's not just one business. It's like a business building where we do a bunch of, a bunch of different things like real estate, own stuff, 
movies, like a bunch of big different things in one building. That's all, all centers in one building, and then kind of build a city around that building. You got this all figured out, man. Uh, yes, sir. Fa- favorite movie since you uh, you talked about the movie industry? Favorite movie is Independence Day, the first one. With okay. Will Smith in it. So is Will Smith a favorite actor? Would that be Will Smith? Uh, probably, probably Will Smith. Okay, he's up there. If, if he's not number one, he's up there? He's right up there. Okay, all right. right favorite favorite basketball movie? Basketball movie? I don't watch much basketball movies. I would say, I guess, Space Jam. <laughs> that, was, that was fun growing up. That, that was, was a classic. Movie. Yes, sir. And then definitely... This isn't a basketball movie, but one of my favorite movies is also Blindside. I love that. Yeah, that's a great I movie. That so I, I don't know. I, I think he still is. So Sean Tui, the father, the, the mm-hmm. father who adopted Michael Orr, he is a, he's a broadcaster for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, okay. I believe still. And obviously there's a St. Mark's tie there with the Memphis Grizzlies with uh, Taylor Jenkins as their head coach. So uh but right. maybe, maybe you'll have a chance to to chat with him about that one day. That would, uh, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Okay, so I also heard you cook a little bit. So what's uh, what's I the do. Harrison Ingram specialty in the kitchen? So I'm more. I mean, I'm trying to learn from my mom. I'm more of a breakfast guy right now. I'm still trying to learn to get in my free time. I'm not with my friends. Kind of learn stuff from my mom because she's from Louisiana, so she loves to cook. But right now, I just kind of do a little some eggs, bacon. Do some some quesadillas, a hot pocket. You can put it in the oven. I like sausage. Like I mean, I could do I could do some bake some cookies from scratch. Okay. To, one thing I'm trying to learn by the end by by the time I go to college is how to do my mom's gumbo. I mean, I guess I would say my grandma's gumbo recipe. Yeah. I mean, if, if, be, yeah. If you got Louisiana be. roots, I'd imagine that's uh, the family recipe's got to be pretty dang good. Yes, sir. Louisiana and Memphis roots. There you go. Memphis okay. Chicken. All right. How about that? Uh, okay, I've also been told that you're a big conspiracy theory guy. <laughs> <laughs> what is the uh, what, what's your favorite or like most con- like what what's the conspiracy theory that your friends uh, give you the hardest time about? Like that you know your your most popular or maybe least popular conspiracy theory. I mean, this one's kind of popular in the minds of conspiracy theorists, but my friends say I'm crazy when I say stuff like this. The 9-11, have you heard the 9-11 conspiracy theory? I've heard, I've heard a ton of them. It's the, the one I've heard, the one I kind of based, kind of took a little bit ideas from all of them. I saw this one thing to where it was like, the video of the towers, the gruesome kind of, the sad, horrifying video of the tower, of the plane hitting the towers would be impossible for a plane to go through steel like that. And it was, they kind of gave an example, it was Mythbusters, they gave an example of how a plane hits concrete, it, just, it doesn't, go through the concrete, kind of stop. The concrete stops it mid-flight. So it was almost like the only way for the plane to hit that building and for it to go through the building and create an explosion that big and for the building to fall is if there are explosives previously planted in that building. And maybe, yeah, the plane might have hit it, but it, there's no way that the plane could have caused the building to fall. That's kind of what the conspiracy is. And that whether it was the terrorists who somehow got bombed in there before or if the government has something to do with it but it's kind of something similar something like that okay all right and our, so do you do you seek out these like conspiracy theories are you like really you know you see like a link on the internet like find out what really happened or like are you are you in on that stuff 
<laughs> it was one time I was in film studies and I just kind of saw a YouTube video and I was like, the best mind bending conspiracy theories. It was like an hour long. And I was like, I'm bored, so I watched it. <laughs> <And then laughs> I watched it. Now I'm all into conspiracy theories. It's kind of funny. So now, one thing that, that I heard though, in, in I guess the serious side of that, like I think people. Uh, who, like yourself, that, you know, that you're in on the conspiracy theories, a lot of time that also, you know, you, you kind of think outside the box and, and you're not going to just do something because someone says you're going to process it in your mind and, you know, hey, like, why why does this make sense? Why why are they telling me to do this? And maybe playing devil's advocate, uh, you know, at times. I, I imagine that's maybe a part of your makeup. How, how has that helped you or... or how does that impact you if that is, in fact, kind of how you approach things? It definitely has kind of impacted how I think. I'm, I'm more of a I'm, – I'm a big advocate of <laughs> school tests are kind of pointless because it doesn't really show how smart you are. It shows how hard you can work on – how hard you can study one night. For yeah, how you can memorize, right? Right, how you can memorize, whereas I feel like the people who are better off in life and I wouldn't say better off in life, but a lot of successful people may not have been the best students, but they know how to speak and they can think outside the box to solve problems. That's kind of how I am. I'm not like, I'm a, I mean, I'm a pretty good student. I got, I'm going to Stanford, so <laughs> I'm pretty solid in my grades, but I kind of like to think outside the box and have fun and do creative things. And that's actually kind of helped me in basketball too, because my play style is more, I guess you would say unique. It's not a kind of, oh, catch and shoot, kind of a, little a funky play style i do different things and just try new things in the game it's really helped me through everything actually all right last thing harrison uh you got 24 hours with your buddies all right you're getting ready to go off to stanford you guys you got you can travel anywhere you can do whatever 24 hours just a day of fun with your friends how are you how are you guys spending that day Ooh, so definitely all-nighter staying for the whole 24 hours and the last 2k we play 2k video game a lot so the last four hours we'll probably play 2k for four hours but 20 hours for about five of them we're gonna go to this do you know what an abandoned insane asylum is no it's kind of like a where the crazy people go from jail okay they go like an insane asylum and there's a bunch of abandoned ones i kind of got i just got abandoned for different reasons maybe like a fire or something like that. I, I, it's always been my, my, I guess you'd say, on my bucket list to go visit one at night. I've seen, like, YouTube videos of them, and it, it seems kind of scary. So definitely go to one of those. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was thinking, like, because I know you mentioned earlier, like, playing airsoft guns. Like, I was thinking you and your buddies were going to go to those and, like, maybe, like, play paintball. Or, but you would just go just to, like, see if it's, like, scary and there's, like, ghosts and stuff? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> are you are you like a big like you love scary movies? I do. I love I oh. love scary movies. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Don't invite me to the scary movie part of it. I can't I can't handle that. Okay, so <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. So the, you go to these insane asylums, walk around? Right, walk around, just kinda of see what it's all about, see if it's as scary as they say it is. That'll be at night also. But definitely in the morning, probably let's see, what would we do? It kinda of matters who I'm with. I don't, I don't, I have a lot, I have a lot of friends outside of school too. So it matters if I'm with them or with the people within school. If I'm with the people in school, <laughs> probably do something silly, like have a Nerf gun fight. <laughs> or just kind of like go swimming or just, just do a bunch of different crazy things. 
And then if I'm outside of school, people outside of school, I'll, I'll, I mean, kind of do the same thing. Kind of do a bunch of everything you could think of that we did when we were kids. You probably do that at least once the whole day. How about that? Episode 71 with Harrison Ingram. And I told you, you're going to forget that he's just a senior in high school. Uh, really, really impressive. Really enjoyed talking with Harrison. And I'm super excited to follow his career as he goes from St. Mark's to Stanford. And uh, the, uh, the next steps beyond Stanford, whatever they might be. And again, as I said at the beginning, uh, I think he's got a really, really bright basketball future. And that's not a novel opinion. A lot of people do. Uh, he's also got a super bright future, uh, regardless of whether sports play a role in it or not. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Thanks to Zach Rowe for producing. Until next time, stay safe, be healthy. We'll talk to you later.